Welcome back to the Heat Check Podcast. I am your co-host, Chris Patrick. With me today, as always, averaging 32 points, 18 rebounds, and 6 assists, Michael Benjamin. What up, what up? How you doing, big dog? Doing great, man. Hell yeah, hell yeah. And, of course, also in the studio, the president of the Young Gravy Fan Club Arizona Chapter, VSP Tallman. What's going on? Oh, fuck. What's going on, guys? I'm happy to have you guys here. I'm stoked. It is Saturday, October 8th. We are in Valley Sports Plug Studio B out here in the Southeast Valley. Uh, We're having a great time. We've been watching some of this uh, wild card baseball. The Padres taking on the Mets. Pete Alonzo cranked one over the fence. But we are here to talk about Valley Sports. And more specifically, we got Phoenix Suns action and their schedule to start the season. We got the Arizona Cardinals taking on the Eagles tomorrow. By likely by the time you hear this podcast, that game will be over. So you'll and have to, they would have lost. And if Tallman <laughs> thinks they're gonna lose, what you took the you took them under like two by two touchdowns. No, I, I said they're gonna lose by two touchdowns. I took a uh, five and a half Eagles. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So we'll have to see. We got the Tallman ticket coming up later, of course, as part of our Arizona Cardinals coverage and the NFL. We got. DeAndre Hopkins coming back pretty soon. Um, and yeah, man, we might even get to touch on the D-backs. We'll see where this podcast takes us. But guys, I'm glad to be back. How you been living? What's going on? Life is good, man. Really excited to be here. Chop it up with y'all fellas. I can't believe that the NBA is already starting. We were talking about earlier how it, you know, everything with COVID transitioned the start and now they're kind of trying to make up for lost time. So it's really cool to see the overlap a little bit earlier with the NFL season. So plenty to talk about, and uh, I'm ready to go. Most definitely. Tallman? Yeah, dude. You know, living the dream, man. Got the wedding bands today. Spent too much money. There you um, go. Lost on college football. So it's, you know, it's a normal Saturday. <laughs> Just a normal Saturday <laughs> <Just> for Tallman. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Beautiful, beautiful. Well, let's just get right into it then. Uh, Like I said, we got the Phoenix Suns action. Their season starts October 19th at home against the Mavericks, a redemption game. uh, Right now, um, I was checking before the pod, the Suns are favorited to win. It's a minus five and a half in favor of the Suns. Uh, So... We'll see. Uh, we got some some of this schedule. One of the interesting things I noted uh, when we were talking about this in show prep is in our first nine games here in October and the first part of November, we play the um, Portland Trailblazers three out of our first nine games. And Mike, we were talking about this. What what you were you don't like that? And one of those is a back to back November fourth and November fifth. What do you make of that scheduling and like having us play them so much? Probably three quarters of our games against them already. Just a bit odd. I mean, I don't know how great the Trailblazers are going to be, so maybe it's a blessing in disguise to start the season off by playing them so early, um, getting some nice wins. Uh, but I always like to space out, you know, the competition. Those back-to-backs, I understand they happen, but it's just always so weird because the travel that these guys have to do, you know, they play here in Phoenix and then have to get on a flight right after the game and go to Portland to play the same guys it's kind of weird but gotta get off on um, the right foot especially with everything that's been going on the past couple of weeks slash months and I know we're going to talk about it a little bit but 
It's really also awesome to see that this team is getting some more national recognition with uh, 34 nationally televised games this year, including that first game against the Mavericks on ESPN on the 19th. So we're going to be in the limelight this year, and we got some new pieces. We have some other guys that are still waiting to be shipped out like Jay Crowder, but got to get off on the right foot because this Western Conference has reloaded and guys are coming back and are healthy. So we're going to have uh, our work cut out for us for sure this year. Without a doubt. I'm, I'm, I'm excited and honestly a little pessimistic. Uh, there seems to be a lot of off-the-court stuff and locker room drama. Uh, we, Like you said, Mike, we'll get into some more of that nitty-gritty stuff. There's tension between, or I mean, reported tension between Monty Williams and DeAndre Ayton, despite what they've said. Uh, Jay Crowder's trying to force his way out right now. Tallman, are you uh, optimistic or pessimistic for this sun season coming up? Oh, I'm very optimistic. Um, not just saying that because I have money on them to win the title. <laughs> but, you know, um, very optimistic. And why are you guys so worried about the Trailblazers? I'm not worried I mean, about the Trailblazers. No, I know you're no, not. We're you're not worried not about worried them. About it's just them, odd to play them three times. How many times? Then you have to fly right to... You have to fly to. I get it. Well, yeah. So the first game on the on the twenty first is in Portland, and then we play them back to back in Phoenix on November fourth and fifth. Okay, all right. So it's just it's strange. Yeah, it's just strange. It's just strange to have that many in the first because it's it's the first within the first ten games of an eighty two game season, and we we play them four times. So we only play them one more time. I don't. I didn't check how much further in the season that game comes, but it just seems odd. I don't know if they're trying to cut back on like the travel aspect of it and like having people play those back-to-backs or you know same city same coast type of stuff i know that that's been a point of contention with teams when it comes to resting players that's their excuse for resting players is the travel takes a toll as well which i understand to an extent but but no i'm definitely optimistic and i'm so ready to see deandre and probably go ham i'm gonna use that i'm gonna use that phrase going hard as a motherfucker (laughs) exactly um, he got his payday. Uh, apparently, he can't talk to the coach. So, I'm ready to see him just like, I don't know, just ball out and do what he's going to do. And I, I'm probably thinking that it's going to be hard, hard decision when it comes January 15th. And everyone's saying, oh, they're going to trade him. They're going to trade him. But I bet you if he plays really good, it's going to be crazy. But I think finally he has the motivation that he needs. Um, not that he, I don't know. It was always like, oh, well, Chris Paul needs to hype him up. Like we need to get DeAndre and mad so that he can, you know, play better. So I think he's shown pretty, pretty good in the preseason and I'm excited to see what he does. I bet you he goes 20 points, 10 rebounds. He averages that through the first three months of the season. I'd love that. And it's something that we're going to need from him because Chris Paul is no spring chicken and it's like your favorite phrase i I love it (laughs) he isn't though he's 38 he's 38 years old and you know deandre ayton is getting the big boy bucks that's another phrase that i like to say but it's his time man and i'm excited to see kind of what energy he brings this year um i'm still kind of every once in a while when he attacks the basket and finishes and he does those quick like flush jams you know what i'm saying where there's not much force behind it i'd love to like split those in half where he just tries to rip the rim down way more uh, aggressive on on more of those half of half of those you know what i'm saying like i understand you're quick at the basket you're getting it in fast and 
running back down on defense that that's great but you'd be surprised how often guys can really get some good energy from a huge just dynamic nasty slam even with nobody around you you know what i mean like right. two hand flush cock it back just go crazy on the rim like that's what i'm hoping to see out of him a little bit more this year it's going to be interesting to see how he incorporates a little bit more of his outside game as well. I know that they were talking mm-hmm. about um, the three-point shot uh, and the addition within his game, uh, corner threes. Kind of weird. I don't want to see it that much, but it's okay to spread the floor a little bit more. But the last thing I'll say about DeAndre Ayton, too, is uh, to be honest with you guys, I hope he doesn't get traded because he is one of the best big men in the league. No matter how you feel about it, He's a walking double-double. He contributes. He shoots at a great percentage. And he's still so young. He has a lot to still learn and develop. And if we can just get his mind right and make sure that we're focusing on the right things, I think we're going to be really happy to have him around for the next at least five years You know, with this contract extension. But just got to talk to the coach, I guess. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And that's one of those things where... I definitely agree with what you're saying, Mike. Uh, you got to talk to the coach. It's weird that there's these. I know they're gonna. The Suns team is gonna try and navigate away from it. Monty Williams and Devin Booker were saying that you know, oh, the he said Monty Williams said that these guys can take the summer off and really disconnect and get away from the team and like they didn't really communicate. But on the same breath, Devin Booker said, yeah, well, I did talk to coach a couple times, and I think. It is more on Monty Williams to reach out and mend any perceived relationship. And DeAndre Ayton, of course, he's young and I think he's going to mature. But I feel like Monty Williams should have made an attempt or an effort to say, hey, big dog, like, I appreciate everything you did this season. Hard work. I I hope you have a great summer. You know, no hard feelings. Let's get back in the gym. Let's, you know, whatever happens in the with the front office, it's, you know, that's not on me. You know, because and but that's at the same time understanding that there are these these reports coming out where people are saying that DeAndre Ayton doesn't fit into Monty Williams' scheme, which that would lead me to believe that a trade is could be more likely at the trade deadline. But it has to be for a decent return, and I think a guy like a Kevin Durant they want a superstar in exchange for DeAndre Ayton because you're right, Mike. He is one of the best centers in the league. Whether he's a superstar or not is to be yet to be seen, but. He is young, and I think he does have high potential. So getting a Miles Turner for him is unacceptable. You know, we have to get more than that. But we're talking about the Suns here. I didn't do it at the beginning, but I got to let you guys know where you can find us. And that's online at AZ underscore Valley Sports Plug. I'm sorry, at AZ underscore VSP. I always fuck that up. On Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Valley Sports Plug on YouTube and Facebook. And really, you just type Valley Sports Plug into Google and you will find us. We're on all uh, podcast platforms. We're on YouTube for all these videos. And let us know if you guys want to see us on another platform. Uh, you know, leave a comment in, on the YouTube video. Hit us up on one of these other platforms. And uh, we, we are a men of the people. 
we we want to give you what you want. So that's why we do these heat check podcasts once a month, do a broad overview of the Valley sports teams and everything that's going on. And then on YouTube, you can check out our live streams where we'll do a once a week stream. We got the heat check podcast live with the three of us here. We got the uh, past the outlet podcast with me and Michael Benjamin talking about everything basketball from youth sports to the professional level and everything in between. And we uh, just did a round table this week where we bring on uh, our Valley sports plug contributors, bringing you some exclusive takes and uh, really unique perspectives from across the country. We got people in Texas, New York people, Chicago people, and uh, it's a good time. So Come and join us. That's all I got to say. That's all I'm going to plug. We don't have any sponsors, so we sponsor ourselves, and you guys support us with your likes and your views, and we really appreciate it. So back to the task at hand here. We're talking about the Phoenix Suns, and I want to touch more on this Monty Williams and DeAndre Ayton drama. As you you were pointing out, Mike, they're going to try and obviously having to work with DeAndre Ayton at least until, uh, Tallman, what was it, January 15th? Yes. Is when he becomes eligible for a trade. Yes. Okay. Perfect. So what do you, what do you think, Mike, as far... I, I guess, no, first I'll pass this to Tallman. Who would you like to see in, in, a, in a return for DeAndre in and, or would you like to keep him depending on how he plays? Wow. Okay. Um, Long question. Yeah. Sure. So who would I like to see in return? Um, I don't have anyone specific that we would probably like to see in return. Okay, I guess... Obviously, if you... Like, go ahead. All I, right. I was just going to say, to, to make maybe make it easier, maybe not a specific player, but like a position or position. a type of player. Yeah. Well, a, a scorer. A scorer. We mm. need a scorer, Chris. We need a scorer. <laughs> um, you I need, agree. You need a scorer, but then it's like, okay, well, who's going to replace him? You know, who's going to be your center? Who's going to be the guy that... Even though at, at times last year, it looked like DeAndre Aiden couldn't fucking get a... Couldn't get a rebound to save his life. Um but if they're going to get rid of him, they're going to trade him. They need to get a polarizing piece to where it's okay. So we're going to lose Jay Crowder. Cam Johnson's going to probably start, right? So then you're going to get rid of DeAndre Ayton. So it's like you need to replace him with a, a third piece that'll just complement uh, Booker and Paul. And that third piece that is going to complement them to start has to be the piece that puts you puts you over the hill, right? Like that was going to make you be able to win a championship. So, um, but going back to it, I okay. I, I know I said they should trade him, but um, I'd like to see him stay. Um, hopefully, that relationship could be mended. And I think he's going to come into this season like and I, I don't. I hate the whole saying like, "Oh, he's got a chip on his shoulder. He's got a chip on his shoulder." Right? Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe he does. You know, maybe he's a little upset. Because it's not like he's playing for a contract. He got the contract. Yeah, yeah, he got it. But it's like, well, they they were going to trade me anyway. They're trying to get rid of me. You right. know? They want Kevin Durant. And then at the same time, it's like if your name is involved in a trade that involves Kevin Durant, you can't be you can't be upset about that. I mean, Kevin Durant's one of the top five players in the league. But I, I don't know. I, so I, I think it's we need to kind of mend that relationship because we need him. Because he's a good, he can score, you know. So he can, I, and he they, can they get just rebounds. have to use him. Yeah, it's the consistency. Like, it's yeah, like last year, it's thing. like, well, I can't score if no one gives me the ball, you know. So figure out a way to give him the ball. So I, so if they were going to get rid of him, it needs to be, I don't know, somebody that's strong forward, power forward that can score, someone that can score, someone that can complement Booker and Paul, and really like score. Like we're giving up a lot of defense we give it up 
uh, DA, but how are you going to replace that at the same time? So it's, it's tough. It's a tough scenario. I think the tough situation as well is you're kind of behind in regards to what you can really get for him, at least at the moment, because we saw from free agency that what he wanted was not what a lot of teams were willing to uh, pay for him. And they didn't think that he was on the level of a max player. The only team that really thought that was the Indiana Pacers. And I don't know if they're really in uh, rebuild mode, but you know, they're not contenders right now. I think a big thing that we're going to have to see is the pieces that you get back for Jay Crowder. You know, do we bring in a, a power forward who can stretch the floor a little bit, get some scoring punch on that second unit? Do we get another wing? Do we end up getting a, a backup point guard? Like um, I've been hearing some rumblings about Jay Crowder and a possible another piece like Tory Craig for Karis LeVert with the Cleveland Cavaliers. You know, what do you get back in regards to that? then you have to see, well, what do you need to fill out around the rest of this unit? Because I think with Cam Johnson coming into the starting lineup, you're losing a good scoring punch off of the bench right now. Um, so it's really all going to depend on what you get back in regards to Jay Crowder. And the other thing, too, is unfortunately, no matter what trade, if there is a trade for uh, with DeAndre, DeAndre Ayton, you're not going to really get back what you probably deserve for a number one overall pick. You know, it's you're going to get pennies on the dollar, unfortunately. And it's also going to be tough to match salaries, especially with him being a max player. So there's just a lot of pieces to juggle. And, you know, to answer your question too, Chris, I, I hope he doesn't get traded because I think that he can be a dominant player in this league if his mind is right and he brings the right type of energy. Cause like he already said it um, at the first week of training camp is that he's now he's playing for a city, right? It's not just the name on his back. It's he's playing for us and he's also playing for his legacy. Now you don't have to worry about the dollars. They're already here. You're starting to play for your position within the league, your respect that you can gain from your game and start putting yourself in the upper echelon, you know, the top 20, top 10 players within the league. And I hope that he's a guy that can really do that because I feel like he wants to be a guy who's in the limelight. And you know what happens? Uh, if you play good, you get in the limelight. So yep. more consistency, that's all we need. And he's definitely going to have uh, times to be able to shine in the limelight, having those 34 national games that you pointed out earlier and that that could only boost his value should the relationship sour to the point where he might demand a trade but right at uh, at this point in time it seems like they're going to try and make it work and i think once the games start playing kind of like we said with the cardinals it'll put all that offseason noise to rest and once they start winning games they're seated high in the western conference they're trending towards making the playoffs i expect them to be a top five team minimum preferably a top two or three team at this point. I mean, with the roster we have in our core, I'm just worried about some of these guys on the bench because we have, it seems like we have a whole brand new bench coming in. Guys that didn't play on this team before, um, just to name a few, Jock Landale, uh, Frank Jackson, I don't know how much court he's going to see, but Josh Akogi, Dario Saric is coming back after being gone a long time. I'm not so much worried about him, but Mike, 
I wanted to ask you with with all these guys coming in with the potential for DeAndre Ayton being shipped out if he were to be traded would you be comfortable having Jock Landale or Bismack Biombo start or would we need another big man back in return for Ayton so I haven't seen Jock Landale and what his game is really all about yet uh, I know he does have um, a good post game and he can spread the floor and shoot so how how long has he been in the league? I think was he a rookie last year? I think he might have been. Uh, I don't think so. He's going to go through his own growing pains, but Bismarck Biombo seemed serviceable to an extent as well. So I'd be okay with him starting, but I think it would have to be more so by committee at the center position. You know, you're not if DeAndre Ayton ends up leaving and you don't bring any other pieces in, you're thinking that you know. Bismarck's going to play 22 minutes a game and then Londell gets 18 to mm-hmm. 20. So you're not having to stretch those guys maybe play longer small than they ball need to. Here and, there. and maybe that fits better within Monty Williams' system and what he wants to run because he wants to push the pace, uh, get the ball to the wing, shoot, and you know create and drive to the basket, which has been tough for DeAndre Ayton because <sighs> – he has gotten better at going off the dribble, but he is a bigger guy. He's a little bit slower too. So it's hard to run action and sets just for him. And that's why you see DeAndre. Well, I can't score if you don't give me the ball. Well, it's because everything else is, you know, involved with Chris Paul and Devin Booker. So, uh, I'd love to get another big man back in return. I think it would be, uh, a great asset to have another guy that you can bring into the fold like we had with JaVel McGee, which I think is going to be a bigger loss than people really thought uh, because he was really serviceable. He could get in there and give you 10, 12 points, five rebounds within 15 minutes a night uh, without blinking an eye. And, you know, those guys right now are our backups. Do they have that within our system? I hope so. So, that's what it all comes down to, man. It's how the cookie crumbles. It, we're we're going to have to see. And I think I want to see him come out of the gate strong and really have a good start to the season. Uh, Tallman, I'll ask you first, but I want you both to answer just to finish out talking about the Suns. To talk on the games we have, the first ones that will probably happen between now and the next time we record one of these Heat Check podcasts. Uh, we, like we said, we start the season with the Mavericks on the 19th, and then after that we're in Portland against the Trailblazers, we're in LA against the Clippers, then home against Golden State, the Pelicans, the Rockets, the Timberwolves, and then also back-to-back games against the Trailblazers, as we were saying. Tallman, uh, that's some tough teams in, in Golden State, uh, the Clippers, and maybe even the Pelicans. Out of out of those games, which one are you are you nervous about our start to the season with those tough matchups, especially the redemption game against the Mavericks? I'm not nervous at all. I do like I do like that redemption game though. Um, that'll be a yeah. good game against. I it'll be chippy. I know that. Um, I can't wait to see Devin Booker interact with the with Doncic, but I'm not worried about that. I mean, it's Golden State like always. I'm not worried about any of the games. Um, I mean, Clippers, I mean, I, I don't know. I think we're, I bet you we sweep the Trailblazers. Mm-hmm. I bet you we beat them every single time. Um, and I really want to hope that we're going to beat the Mavericks too to open the season. 
But, I mean, who knows? So, I'm not worried at all about the start. I bet you the Suns come off to a really hot start. That's, I think, what we're all kind of looking for. I think they come out with the statement. Last year was kind of a, you know, smack in the face with the, in the postseason. I think they're going to come out hot. I think it's going to be great. It's going to be kind of the revenge tour, right? So, I'm excited. Yeah, first game against the Mavericks is very enticing, very spicy. But like I said, favorite, favored to win by at least five, five and a half. Uh, the line is I'm minus. Surprised 5.5. it's not more than that. I know. Uh, and my, Wait, who the who the Mavs get though? They picked up an extra piece, right? Well, they got Javel, and they also got Christian Wood. Ah, okay, that's who it is from yeah. Houston. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. All right. Who it'll be interesting to see how he fits in the fold. But you know, these first ten games are going to be a real good test for us. I mean, you think back to last year. I think we started like one and three, one and four, and then ended up winning like sixteen or seventeen straight. Yeah. So getting, we started slow last year, yeah. Right. So getting off on the right foot is going to be key, and we got some real good tests right early in the season. You know, with the Clippers uh, getting back, I think Kawhi is going to be ready to go, and they and they added in John Wall, obviously playing the uh, current champions, the Warriors, the Pelicans. That first round matchup, which was a slugfest, is and Zion, Zion back? and Zion should be back, yeah. and then. Uh, the Timberwolves team, who was a playoff team last year, Anthony Edwards seems to be coming into his own, adding Rudy Gobert to pair alongside with Carl Anthony Towns. And then that 10th game of the season is against the 76ers. So that'll be a great test also for DeAndre Ayton because he'll have some really key matchups against some of the best bigs in the league uh, to see where he's going to step forward early on this season so i'm ready to go man i am so ready to go yeah i'm excited it seems like it's been forever since we saw suns basketball and i'm glad you brought up that 10th game against the 76ers because that just only further highlights the the season slate we have to start this this season for lack of a better word of course we do have the trailblazers three times like tallman thinks we'll win all three of those and i think that's very possible i mean dame lillard it's going to be interesting to see if he stays with the franchise or if he gets moved i've heard conflicting reports i've heard both that he wants to be moved and both that he's loyal like what do you think what do you hear about that he wants to make rap songs (laughs) dame dollar sorry (laughs) um it's going to be tough for him to win in portland uh, unless they make some really good draft choices within the next couple of years. But also, I mean, he's been in the league for, I think, over 10 years now. So yeah, not that his time frame is coming to an end or anything like that. He's still a top player in this league. But that, long? that unit is wow. still trying to play catch up with the rest of the Western Conference. I don't think they'll make the playoffs this year. And I'm pretty sure he signed a two-year extension this summer. I think you're right. So... Uh, that makes it a little bit easier to move move him off, but you know, just last year they chose him over CJ McCollum, so I think he loves Portland and wants to finish out his career there as long as he's still being competitive. And I like Dame, man. I like Portland. I've always wanted to go and uh, see a game there. Maybe that can be a road trip one day. We'll go see the Suns there, but. Got to get off on the right foot and put the pedal to the metal early this year. 
Yeah, I think a strong start is definitely going to be a key to our success, especially against some of these better teams. It's going to be very interesting, and we will keep you updated every step of the way with our live streams, and hopefully we have a pretty good record next time we we meet up and do these podcasts. We'll have to see, but we got a lot coming up. Speaking of which, coming up for the Arizona Cardinals this Sunday, October 9th, is the Philadelphia Eagles, who are 4-0. and Yes, sir. Uh, we are playing them here at home in Glendale. Mike, do you have any kind of optimism? We've already heard Cody say he he knows he's what betting you, against them. I didn't them. say anything. You said you're going to bet against oh, them. Yeah. But Mike, Mike Benjamin, what what about you? I'd love to have some optimism. Unfortunately, I might be siding with Cody on this one. I think the only thing that I'm wondering about in this game is, do I start Zach Ertz or do I start? Dallas Goddard because I have both Goddard. of them on my fantasy team. <laughs> you start Goddard. I've been I've been Oof. running with Goddard, but you know we're we're still dealing with the injury bug right now. You know now it sounds like Rodney Hudson isn't going to play on Sunday, and this offense has just been so slow and sloppy. It seems like you know using unnecessary timeouts, guys not set and. The one good thing is this defense has been playing incredible and keeping this team in games. You could say you could yeah, say that. Yeah. Uh, it, I mean, it's easy to say your defense is incredible when you go against fucking Baker Mayfield and one of the worst offenses in the fucking M- the NFL. The, so the last three weeks, they've definitely have been stepping up their game, and it sounds like we're going to get Antonio Hamilton back in the mix here pretty shortly. I don't know if he's playing this week. Is he? Have you heard anything about that? Wait, is that the guy that? The grease on the legs guy. He had the kitchen accident? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I heard that um he had an appointment with Gordon Ramsay and he taught him how to cook right. And um now he's ready to go. So he's ready to go. So, yeah. He's ready to play and <laughs> yeah. he's ready to he, he got whip skin, it up. He correctly. got skin grafts and his status on the injury everything. report was mentoring with Gordon Ramsay. Yeah. <laughs> it's fucking raw. But I'm I mean, I always have optimism for this team. The, the expectations is where I I don't have much. If that sounds bad, I mean, sue me. But I just try and go in with the even keel. You know my motto. Not too high, not too low. Not too high, not too low. But we got to get a damn win at home, man. And mm-hmm. this would be a great uh, stepping stone right here to get your first win in almost a calendar year against po- possibly the best team in the NFL through the first quarter of the season. The house is going to be rocking for sure. Shout out Drama. I know he's a big Eagles yeah, he's, fan. He's he'll going. Be, he'll yep. be there tomorrow. So hopefully he can uh, come home crying. <laughs> and then we can he's rub it in his not face a little come bit. Home crying, but. Well, well, we'll have to see. I mean, the Cardinals, I think they do have a little bit of momentum coming off that win in Carolina. They are, they're, they've made some moves on their roster to get some guys in positions. Like you said, guys are getting healthy. We're in a couple weeks. We're gonna have DeAndre Hopkins back, so there is some reason to be optimistic. But Talman, do you? While we're talking Cardinals, do you want to defend your pessimistic view on this this weekend and and this game coming up? Defend it? What do you mean? I have to defend it? Well, because I think me and Michael Benjamin here are a little more optimistic, thinking it could be so a, you a think game. That, I think it, okay. I don't, I'm not saying I'm not necessarily saying I think the Cardinals are gonna win, right, but I think right, they'll no, compete. No, okay, I got you. All right, it's fine. So we'll start it out. Oh, Escobar just hit a RBI single. Nice. Um, I'll start it out by saying there is no way we're going to beat that team. 
It's it's not. No they way. no way. No way. They they come out hot out of the gates. What do we do out of the gates? Nothing. We're ice cold. So we're gonna go down fourteen, seventeen zip to start. I bet you right now, right now, you wanna take bets that we go seventeen zip. Seventeen zero to start the game. Yeah, seventeen zero to start no, not no, no like like oh seventeen zero at halftime. No, I'm saying like at some point it's gonna be seventeen to zip. I'll tell you that right now. That's going to happen. So I don't think we can hang with them. Um, we don't have the same explosive offense that they have. And to think that our defense is going to slow them down is is funny. We can't even – we can barely pressure the quarterback. We were, we got we got J.J. Watt over here getting, getting fucking – getting heart procedures. <laughs> like, what is going on with that? Like – He's getting shocked. Like what? I don't even know what that is. Shocks shocked him back to life and yeah. Puts like him, like right, did he die or something? Like too. what is going on? And there's all this stuff going on because you guys saw all the Tua stuff, right? This is also a tangent. Um, they're like, well, should JJ Watt been allowed to play? Like, because you know they're all worried about the player's safety. And of course, all that. yeah, yeah. And then the doctors came out. They're like, well, honestly, the best thing that could happen for him is to exercise. So it's good. Well, not, makes sense. Yeah, let alone play football, go get smashed and yeah, killed. Like, not a yeah, run in the yeah, park that or makes, on the treadmill yeah, or something. But, yeah. Um it's gonna be a tough game. And all right, let me flip it over. Okay, so if we have any chance of winning this football game, it is gonna start with what? What is it gonna start with? A, a better start. We have to ha- we have to start strong. Well, <laughs> yeah. Well no, I'm saying what, what points player? on the board what player? in the first quarter. Kyler Murray. No. Who does he hand the ball off to? James, James Conner, yeah. running the football. If we have any chance of winning this game, we need to run the football. That's it. If, if we don't do that, that's it's not going to happen. So we need to pound that football or we're going to lose a lot. A okay. Lot. Uh, you're right. I don't necessarily disagree. But I think a lot of that, of course, comes on the head coach and the play calling, Cliff Kingsbury. <laughs> he sucks. Yeah, me and my, yeah, okay, thank you, Tom. And me and Michael Benjamin were talking about this last night at Zips. Um, I, Mike, what do you make of Cliff Kingsbury up to this point in the season, and how confident are you as him being the future coach of the Cardinals going forward? I know they just signed an extension, but it's never they can always cut him at any time. This team is built around the three-headed monster of Kyler Murray, Steve Kime, and Cliff Kingsbury. So if those guys are going to be the major pieces, he's not going anywhere. As far as a head coach... I'd be fine with him sticking around, but his offense has been a little bit sloppy. And obviously within his first three years, we've seen, uh, you know, an uphill climb, getting better, putting points on the board, and then that steep drop off in the second half of seasons. And right now it's opposite. And hopefully you're crossing your fingers for that, right? You're hoping that we're just starting off slow, and then once we can get some of our guys a little bit more healthy and our top wide receiver weapon back in DeAndre Hopkins, you know, you can start to see a little bit more momentum from this offense. You know, the other thing you have to think about is James Conner hurt his ankle, and in that Rams game, he, he was definitely still kind of dealing with that, but he started to get back on the right footing last week, especially finishing that game off. And I know some of the things I said about it. Well, the Panthers, it was already kind of a two-possession lead, so how hard were they trying? But 
you know, if you can finish the game with first downs on the ground and run hard and, and, you know, get that momentum on the ground, you know, hopefully we'll see a bigger game from James Conner. I want to see him punch it in this weekend to get his momentum going a little bit more forward for this season as well. But I don't know if it's just we don't have the full complement of pieces on the offensive end. So that's why it seems like Cliff Kingsbury's offense is just running in circles and hurting itself right now. Or if it's just, he doesn't know he like his situational awareness is a little bit off. Like he can't figure out, Hey, third and 27, let's not throw a fucking screen pass. Let's try and take a shot. He's not aggressive. What's 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 the worst thing that can happen? No, Tallman, I disagree. He is aggressive. When we have a fourth and fourth down. Yeah, when we have a fourth and two and we're in field goal range. But why we why did we ever get to fourth down though? Because he does a little ding and duck on third down. But he's aggressive in the wrong situation. Okay, but you're right. Yeah, so he's aggressive on fourth down, absolutely. Yeah, no, I definitely think I, I definitely agree with that. I know he is he is very aggressive on those fourth downs. I think we've gone for it most more than any other team. But at the same time, I think we've been more successful than any other team on the fourth down conversions, at least well, up until that point. When you do it that many times, you're going to be better than everybody. What no, do you of mean? Course. No, that's fair. <laughs> like but, no, back to they set a they set a record. Yeah, sixteen fourth down going for it sixteen times through four weeks, dude. That's insane. Yeah, that's not a good record. And yet again, it's more Arizona sports teams setting bad records. But I don't want to. As much as I love to put all the blame on Cliff Kingsbury, and I think he does deserve a lot of it. He, the, it's him calling the plays, being the head coach and the offensive coordinator. I think Vance Joseph might be looking at him sideways, like maybe you should be the offensive coordinator and I should be the head coach, but that's a whole other conversation. I don't want to detract from the fact, though, that I think from what I've seen in these last couple games is Kyler Murray needs to make quicker decisions. I, I don't know if it's him having a hard time seeing over the line or seeing these receivers coming across the middle, but a lot of these plays could have been that end up in either a sack or a thrown away pass could have been maybe a three, four, five yard uh, gain had he made a quicker decision and found a check down and gone through his reads. And I don't know, maybe it is it him not going through his reads quick enough or he, he doesn't know how to do it. And that goes full circle to all these contract negotiations, him watching film. And there's been that criticism of him. Can't do it. Mike, is this what you've seen? And, and have you noticed him not being able to make his reads quick enough? I don't know if it's that he can't make the reads quick enough or if he's just running for his life off of um, you know, a four-man pressure a because we can't line. we can't block anybody. Yeah, I mean, Rodney Hudson's hurt. DJ Humphreys is questionable. Justin Pugh has already missed time. You know, um, we have offensive guards running into refs and getting suspended <laughs> or kicked out of the game. You know, so it, the one thing that you do have to say is that it is going to be on the back of Kyler Murray the success of this offense, obviously. So. Yeah, I mean, one of the uh, plays in that Carolina Panthers game uh, after we had gotten that uh, penalty on that first and goal, they had ran some uh, side routes and there were three guys wide open on the left side. And it looked like Kyler Murray didn't even look to that side, but then he got pressured. So then he uh, scooted out and ran for about six yards or so. But it's always going to be tough for him, man. He's just a smaller guy offensive linemen are normally like six three six four the taller guys bigger guys 
So, but there's also a difference between not reading the field properly and the play calls that are set up just for like wide receiver screens or, you know, two yard outs and and different things like that. How successful is that really going to be over time when you, your offense is predicated kind of on dink and dunk. Mm -hmm. The best things that we saw, especially in the end of that Carolina Panthers game is we started to push the ball a little bit farther down the field. And then we took our shots on early downs, not when you're going for it on third and two in a critical situation and you're throwing a 30 yard bomb. You know what I'm saying? Take your shots at more opportune times where if it doesn't work out for your offense, you get to reset it and then go for it again. Mm -hmm. You know, that's what we saw from that Hollywood Brown touchdown, that 25 yarder. So it's a mix right now. I think this team is just, we're still almost like in the preseason phase, trying to figure out what we're doing and having guys really in the right position because nobody was on the field to start the season, you know? Yeah. Absolutely right, dude. It It's it's so frustrating frustrating to watch every single Cardinals game, okay? What was the difference between this year and last year? You don't know what it is? What's that? We threw the ball down the field. We could well, run the football. Thank you, Talman. Are, are they afraid to what do that? What is going on? Is it because DeAndre Hopkins is out that they're know. afraid to do that? I don't that? know do what it is. Trust that Hollywood is Brown? Do they not have the rapport built there yet? Throw the ball down the field. I agree. That's why we went 7-0. and That's why we were 10-2 and at one point. Because we could run the football and we stuck to it. We were committed to it. We didn't give up when we didn't get any fucking yards on the first two attempts. Yeah. Like they abandoned the run all the time and they don't throw the ball down the field at all. That is the biggest no. difference. And you what got, is going on? You, also, he is not using his feet. Run. Run Kyler. the ball. Yeah, he hasn't ran nearly Run as much ball. this season as he has before. What is going on? Did not you to... see the stat? Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you no, off. No, go for it. Go for it. So when he runs, when he has, when Kyler Murray's, who I'm talking about, he, when he has more than 10 rushing attempts, we're 10 and 1. We're 10 and 1 mm-hmm. when he has more than 10 rushing attempts. Run the ball. Use your feet. How many times has he not done that? Do it. Throw the ball down the field. What is going on? I don't understand well, the play call. That's why I we're think you're, sitting here talking about Cliff Kingsbury. Uh huh. Because what are they doing? Oh, okay. It's it's third and eight, and we're gonna do a or no no no. All right, let, let me let me take it back. Okay, uh, when they did the there was a fourth and two, fourth and one, and they did the the jet sweep with Rondell Moore. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Nice call, Cliff. When we're on the ten yard mm-hmm. line of the Carolina Panthers. That's a Panthers, shit play call. Yeah, that was a total shit fucking play call. Well, listen, Talman, I think you're exactly highlighting my point. Is Kyler isn't making decisions quick enough because he's either got to make the read or if it's not there, if he doesn't see it, he's got to use his fucking legs and get out of that pocket because clearly he's not getting the protection he feels he needs and the amount of time he needs to hang in the pocket and make his reads so he's panicked and he's making poor decisions i don't know why he doesn't want to run it if he's afraid of getting hit if he doesn't want to get banged up but he's gotten paid so whether he plays or not i'm pretty sure he's still going to get paid if he's injured that i mean i don't want to i don't wish that upon anyone i don't wish that upon kyler but i want everyone to take a deep breath like Michael Benjamin always says, not too high, not too, not low. too low. There's yeah. always adjustments yeah. that can be made throughout the season. Totally. So, fellas. It's... Sorry, go ahead. No, okay. I'm going to pass it to you here, Talman. I, I want you to, to talk right. on this because you think that the Cardinals are going to lose this game against the Eagles, which would make us two and um, two, two and, three. and three. And then next week, Play we'll Seattle? be at Seattle. Yeah. So, will we be three and three when DeAndre Hopkins comes back against the Saints on Thursday Night Football? Yes. So, remember the last podcast we did 
I said as long as we're three and three, it's like a new season. Yep. Uh huh. I said that, and you got to. If we look back on what happened, like we won that Raiders game was a miracle. We should have lost that game. Yes. Ten times out of ten. Yep. Um, even watching the first half of this Carolina Panthers game last week, like I sat there, I was like, we're gonna we're gonna fucking lose. We're gonna lose this game. You know, and they, we all sat there and thought ten to three. He Kyler throws a pick six. It's like we're screwed. Like we look exact. We haven't changed a single bit. We look terrible, and it was so demoralizing that I thought we were gonna lose that game. And then we came back and Baker Mayfield, voila, <laughs> Mayfield. Baker May- Mayfield showed his. I can't say his fucking name. Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield showed his. The guy from the commercials. Yeah, that guy. You know the. <laughs> The guy, uh, yeah, What's the, who cares? Um, he showed his true colors, and we really capitalized on his mistakes. So if we would have played that game against anybody else, any other team, we would have lost that game. We did not play good football. And we're going to sit here and be like, oh, yeah, well, the, the defense got three turnovers. Who knows? I don't remember exactly how many turnovers they had. But that's, yeah, that's a plus. Yeah, we won the game because of the defense. And we capitalized on some of the turnovers that we had, but look at who we were playing. If we played any other team, I bet you we would have lost that game. The Carolina Panthers are in a really bad spot, yeah. and they are not a good football team. They have a good, decent defense, but that offense is terrible. And they made our defense, which is pretty much terrible, well, they made our defense look good. Well, when your only so, weapon is your running back and you know what to cover, you, you put a cover yeah. on McCaffrey, you put a cover on the quarterback, and then they and then pressure on him, and yeah. you know Baker Mayfield's not the answer there. But So, what was your your question was? 3-3 three and three when DeAndre Hopkins three and three, comes yeah. back on Thursday. So, we're going to be 2-3 and three after tomorrow, for sure. That's what, yeah. Yeah, we're going to lose that game. Okay. Unless, unless Kyler can run the ball if we can keep up with them maybe but they're going to score all over us too. I agree it takes and a good kill, they have to come out there, hot yeah we're going to sit there and do a dink and dunk we're not going to be able to keep up with the with the with the eagles doing that shit it's not going to happen we're going to dink and dunk this not no they need to throw the ball down the field he needs to run the football run the football if he can do that we might have a chance, but we're not going to have a chance to beat that team. They're going to come out, like I said, you wrote it down. We're going to come down. We're going to be 17 zip. I bet you right now we'll go down 17 zip. We'll probably lose. I bet you we lose 31 to 17. I'll put That's that my down prediction. Too. I got a couple of things here. For tomorrow, I feel like this has the makings of a game where some weird, crazy, nonsensical plays put the Cardinals behind the eight ball, like some block kick that ends up going into the end zone and then the Eagles fall on it for a touchdown or some crazy fumble. Some shenanigans. On our side of the football, you know, the same way that that block kick uh, happened in the Rams game to basically start them off on the 35 and give them uh, a free range to go and score. Tom, and I think some of the situation with not being able to push the football down the field right now is the sheer size of our receivers. You know, everybody that's on the floor right or on the floor on the field right now that's that's healthy is under six foot. We're getting so, Wesley back though. Okay, so that'll be great. That'll be a guy that He's like six. Even if even if you yeah. have you know coverage that's kind of pressed up against him, you can trust 
uh, you know, two to three shots during the game to throw the ball up to him and see if he can make a play. Because the worst thing that could happen is if it gets close to being intercepted, he can bat it down. But we just don't have, I mean, after A.J. Green went down and Wesley had already been hurt, we don't have any bigger guys to push down the field. And defenses can give the space to Hollywood Brown like we saw in that Rams game with his 14 catches for 140 yards off of a 10-yard average because they don't want to let him go on the streaks to get behind the secondary. You're you're so right. I'm not trying to jump in on you, but... We knew that coming in. We didn't have those receivers. We knew Wesley was hurt. We knew D-Hop wasn't going to be there. Not that D-Hop's the biggest receiver ever, but we knew that we are dealing with little guys running these routes. And the fact that they can't capitalize on using their tight ends, what's happening? And we released Max Williams today? Yep. Like, come on. Like, why wouldn't you sit there? You do, you do uh, the 12 personnel. You have two tight ends running routes. Zach Ertz, fucking uh, McBride, and... Um, Max Williams like that I, I don't get it like utilize those tight ends when you don't have the receivers that you need in those scenarios what what I'm talking about is like utilize those tight ends when you need that big guy when you're doing a 50-50 ball like don't throw a 50-50 ball to, uh, to Brown you, you don't do that but I'm saying like how come they haven't utilize those tight ends in those scenarios where you need to throw a 50-50 ball when you need somebody like that. Like, they haven't done, like, Zach Ertz got his first touchdown last week, and it was on, like, a stupid little screen. Like, it's not, like, throw... I, I don't know. Well, but but I also think that's because Zach Ertz doesn't really have that in his skill anymore. Like, he's not really a go-up-and-get-it kind of tight end. He's a, you know... 10 yard out slant kind of guy get him in space get him set and then get him the football but he's a receiving tight end though he's not a blocking tight end he's a receiving tight end but he's getting a little bit older he probably doesn't have as much uh, hop as he used to but he's a tight end because he's tall how tall is how tall is Zach Ertz probably 6'3 6'4 do we know this um. Yeah, I have it right here. Zach Ertz is six foot five, two hundred. So six five. Okay, throw the ball up to him. I mean, come on. But he's taller than but every a safety and defensive back that's on. There's him. a difference with a guy How like Antoine Wesley, who's six three, but has speed and has momentum to get himself lifted six foot four in the air okay. to go and contest catches like that. Zach Ertz is a big body. It's hard to get your momentum up into the Wesley's air. Wesley's 6'4". You know what I mean? It's just a different it's it's a different skill set that those guys have. Yeah, but and Hollywood think, is 5'8", five, 5'9". Five, right? But they're not Hollywood's giving five, him nine. because they know they don't want to let they don't want to let the big play go, so they're setting those safeties back and not and basically daring them to go deep. And there yeah, those opportunities five nine. Five nine, just okay. haven't been there what, because you don't have anybody right now who can go up for 50-50 balls. And, and you're not wrong on at all. certain occasions. You're not you wrong know? at all. But it's like, okay, well, why haven't they sat there and, and and literally they know that they don't have that matchup. You know, you don't have a receiver that can go up and get the ball. Like we we don't have that right now. So how come they're not using the tight ends? That is my major concern. Is throw the ball to Zach Ertz. How come he doesn't have eight catches a game? Yeah. I don't he, get it. How come Kyler Murray doesn't run the football? That's that, that's not he's what we're talking consist- about. But I feel like he's consistently got six catches a game. 
I mean, Kyler Murray's running for his life, guys. This is the damn truth. He's running for his life. He doesn't have any pocket presence right now because they're getting to right. him on the four-man rush. He doesn't have any time to set and really make his reads. That's the truth about this offense. So that's why they're trying to go out and do the spread bullshit, which just isn't working because now, you know, they don't have to send blitzes to get any pressure on him. And you're seeing what we're seeing, and and it's just not helping this situation. Going back to Max Williams... I feel like he probably got cut because last week was the first time that we really saw any true action or involvement from Trey McBride in the offense with his three catches and 24 yards. Mm -hmm. And I think they're at the point where they're like, okay, this guy is kind of serviceable. He's going to fit within what we need. And maybe, just maybe, Tallman, this will be that week will they start to spread the tight ends a little bit more and get him more involved and mm-hmm. that you know comes at the expense of max williams i know you know it's a tough scenario he's been a, a fan favorite for this team since he's been here the past couple of years but he is also coming back off of a major uh acl injury i believe and yeah if you got fresher legs and somebody that you took in the second round not because of need but because he was the best player available you better start fucking playing the guy you know, you got to get him on the field. So love Max Williams, but you drafted this guy in the second round. That's why. To get yeah. him on the field because he was the best player and, available. And, and was, you can't have a, sorry, sorry, Tom. No, no, no. But I, you can't have another <laughs> situation like an Andy Isabella where you draft a guy high in the draft Ooh. and then you end up cutting his ass after 13 catches in four years. They're trying to save their asses in the front office and starting to get these guys a little bit more involved. Because at the end of the day, we had needs, and you take the guy. So you got to get him on the field and get him involved and incorporated within this offense. You're totally right. That's And you saw it was almost like the writing on the wall last week where I think Max Williams only played like 15 snaps or something, and McBride played a ton of snaps. And he got a couple catches too. And you saw they were like, okay, well, we really like this new kid, so they probably felt comfortable getting rid of him. But so it's going to happen. So McBride is going to be our blocking tight end. Zach Ertz doesn't block. So McBride's going to be in there every single down where they need a tight end to do a chip block, whatever, to block anybody. McBride's going to be the one that's going to do it. Zach Ertz doesn't block. So that was the whole thing about Max Williams was he's the blocking specialist. So now that we got rid of him, that's why I was kind of shocked. And we talked about this before, um, before the season even started, and we talked about all the tight ends and how we thought that the Cardinals would have capitalized on all the tight ends that they have because we were out with we were out of uh, DeAndre Hopkins for the first six weeks, and they haven't done that. And I looked up some of the um, Sackert stats, and uh, he had eight catches for 87 yards in that Raiders win, and he's had six catches the last two games. Yeah. So um, maybe I was a little... He's there. He's a little, their, little hot on that. He's but. their second weapon right now. Yeah. He, so Kyler Murray looks for him after Hollywood. For yeah. Sure. And then he got his first touchdown last week. But so basically, what it is is now we're relying on McBride to be that blocking specialist. And when we're talking about, like I said, we we're talking about before the season, it was McBride's like the best of both worlds. He can block. He can catch. Where Williams was, he could block. Ertz is he can catch. So, I don't know. I mean, it's a good move because he's going to get a lot more, a lot more snaps, and hopefully that kid can fucking pan out and be, you know, a good tight end for us because Hurts isn't going to play forever. But 
we need I, we need to see more involvement. So, yeah, we do. definitely we do. So let me jump in here. Like I agree, I like what you guys are saying here. I I agree with a lot of what's being said, including the adjustments that have been made, cutting some of the dead weight in Max Williams and Andy Isabella, guys that we invested in for a long time and just didn't pan out. So now you're looking at the receiving group of Marquise Brown, Rondale Moore, AJ Green, Greg Dorch for these next couple weeks, and then adding. DeAndre Hopkins into that mix, as well as Zach Ertz and Trey McBride, like you're saying, bringing those guys into the fold. It, Kyler Murray has, is spoiled for options. He's spoiled for choice. So it's there's going to be a lot of onus on the offensive line to keep him protected, but it's also going to be, I think, like we've been highlighting, uh, Cliff Kingsbury to make better play calls to set him up for success, Kyler Murray to make quicker decisions. Is he going to use his feet and get out of the pocket, or is he going to make a pass? Uh, are we going to make more focus on the ground with James Conner and even getting Eno Benjamin some more play time? Because he, it's a good change up. James Conner's more of a power guy. Eno Benjamin kind of is a quicker guy. I, I've seen that be a good one-two punch. There's a lot of things that I think are reason for being optimistic in the coming weeks. As, like we've said, uh, Seattle next week on the 16th, four days later in New Orleans, or I'm sorry, at home versus New Orleans on Thursday night football. That's going to be a big game. DeAndre Hopkins is coming back. Uh, between now and the next time we do a Heat Check podcast, we'll also be at Minnesota on the 30th of October and back at home against Seattle on the 6th of November. So with that being said, Michael Benjamin, like I said, we're 2-2 two and two right now. With those games out ahead of us, that's uh, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. Five more games out with those opponents. What do you think our record will be the next time we record a Heat Check podcast? Ooh, maybe hoping five and four. Uh, I think we can scratch out that Thursday night win. Unfortunately, that might be the first uh, home win that we have (laughs) (laughs) Uh, in over a calendar year. I know the Saints, the Saints have some weapons, but their offense has been banged up as well. Michael Thomas is still not right. Uh, Jarvis Landry has been dealing with some issues as well as Jameis Winston. And they're not the greatest football team. So getting back D-Hop for that game on a nationally televised Thursday night football, man, that'll be a great way to kind of start, you know, your second half of the season and and do what we haven't done the past couple of years, which is finish strong. Um, it's going to be huge to get D-Hop back into the fold because at the end of the day, what have been our biggest problems has been the offense. So if you can add back a huge weapon like that, I know he's a little bit older. I think he's 30, 31, but he's still one of the best receivers in this league. Geno Smith with the Seahawks has been very serviceable for them. Uh, Probably a bit of a surprise for a lot of people. I feel like he's leading the league in passing. If not, really not correct. If I'm not correct on that, I might not be. Is he? But I think he had six total touchdowns last week in that win over the Lions. Wow. So, I can't believe they but stayed with the Lions. The truth of the matter is this Cardinals football team is a better overall unit than the Seahawks. So I see both of those being wins. Um, but this game on Sunday is going to be really tough. And if we can get that win over Seattle, 3-3, three and three, getting back D-Hop, maybe we can start a run going uh, you know, into the second half of this season. Because here's the other thing. Not too high, not too low. Mm-hmm. It was week seven. Week seven. After D-Hop has, has come back into that game, I know it's the first test that he has back. But then week eight, I know he hasn't played football, only one game. 
but week eight is you know kind of what you have you know yeah so that's where we really start to have those conversations about what this football team really is truly and the last thing is the beauty about the situation is the nfc west everybody is two and two so it is a true even playing field for everyone and we are nowhere near close to playing our best football and we've had to squeak out some wins but nobody else in the nfc west is looking like world beaters right now so this division is up for grabs absolutely and that's the beautiful thing is it doesn't matter how you get the wins at the end of the year at the end of the season it's what the record says so if we can be in a position to make the playoffs as either the division winner or the wild card i think we'll all be happy with that outcome and i think five and four is really achievable uh Talman, do you do you have any last opinions on that? What do you think through nine games our record will be with D Hop coming back in week six? So or week seven rather. That's no, you're right. Yeah, week seven. Yeah, week seven. Against yeah, Saints. Against yeah. Saints. I don't know, man. It's so it's 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 serviceable for sure. Um just looking at their schedule. Hold on, I just I just clicked the wrong tab. My bad. Oh, you're good. Um so we're going to lose tomorrow. I'm sorry. I, I apologize. Yeah, it's Eagles and at um, Seattle. Yeah, so then we beat Seattle with 3-3. Three and three. If we can pull off that Thursday night win against the Saints, great. Then we're gonna if we're going to play the Vikings at home and we can beat them. Isn't that in Minnesota? That's, in, it is. that's yeah. in Minnesota. I'm in, um, yeah, sorry, so. I'm in um, Vikings at home. I did not say that right. Yeah, Vikings at, yeah. at our home. And then uh, the next week we have Seattle again at home. So if we can – we need to capitalize on – these next four games after tomorrow mm-hmm. because after that dude we played the rams and the 49ers and those two games are going to be our season that's going to determine whether we're going to be a playoff team or not that is our season right there that those two back-to-back games with the rams and the 49ers if we don't this is the soft point of our schedule like we need to win every single game until we hit that back-to-back with the Rams and the 49ers. Because after that, we played the Chargers, we played the Patriots, we played the Broncos, we played the Bucks. Wow. And, and Which are lose. all teams, but those are all teams that are having their own struggles right now. Yeah. So those are yeah. up-for-grab games. The Broncos could... They look worse than us? The Broncos The Broncos do. might be one of the worst teams in football. The Broncos yeah, look well, terrible. I mean, come on. What? You're going you're gonna to tell me right now that the Cardinals won't find a way to lose the Broncos? I'm not saying they won't find the Car- a way. I but feel like the Cardinals find a way to beat Russell Wilson. Yeah, we're, Wilson. we're gonna go. We're yeah. gonna go to Mile High Stadium and we're gonna play the Broncos. What I'm saying is, uh-huh. at that point in the season, what week would that be? So we're week five, six, seven, eight. So week nine and week ten, when we play the C or sorry, um, ten and eleven, when we play the Rams and the Niners, that's when the division's gonna be kind of figured out. And those are going to be two huge games. Because right now, the team to beat in the division, I think, is the 49ers. Yeah. That is the team to beat. So if we, yeah. if we lose to the Rams really good. and we lose to the Niners, we're not going to make the playoffs. That's what I'm saying. Those two games right there are so big that if we don't capitalize and win one or both of them, we're not going to make the playoffs. So that's really going to determine our season. So... Um, I know I kind of went <laughs> over what you were saying. Um, I could really see us being, uh, what what would it be? I could, yeah, I could see us after week nine. I could see us being six and three, 
Yeah. Yeah, I could see a, four, a Saints win, a Seattle win. I think we can be the beat the Vikings. Uh, I think that um, as long as we don't get too low on how much we get stomped tomorrow. I think six and three is realistic. It's realistic. I mean, these the Vikings are very inconsistent right now. You know, they have weapons, but Dalvin Cook once again, it seems like he's hurt. Justin Jefferson just is not consistent enough. He's a mm-hmm. Great player, he huge, might be the best receiver in the league. Exactly, but I mean, and then Kirk Cousins is is Kirk Cousins. He's just right. always going to be. You don't like that? I, I I don't like that. I like that. And you know who else I don't like? Patrick Peterson. So every that time that we can beat, he the blocked shit, a kick, man. Did you see that? Every time that we can beat yeah, him, and, uh, just Jordan to, Hicks got a pick. Just rub it in his face a little bit yeah. more. I'm all about it, and hopefully the team is ready to step up as well. But. Five and four is what you hope to be going into those weeks. And I think the two biggest games within the next month are going to be those Seahawks games. Yep. You have to win those games in order to strengthen your record within the division and go up when you meet up against the Rams and the 49ers with a two and one record in the division. Because if you can go one and one, beat the Rams or the 49ers, you're setting yourself up for a positive record and hopefully, you know, be in front after that week 11 uh, fight against the 49ers. But I really want to pivot a little bit and talk about the release of Andy Isabella, if you guys are okay with that. Of course. I have nothing good to say. We, we did touch on that a little bit, and I'm glad you brought it up because we have talked about Andy Isabella quite a bit on this podcast. And I was, I was really, I have said before, I've said it before, I was really hot on Andy Isabella. You good, you good, Tommen? Yeah, Phil. Okay, gotcha. Um, <laughs> and, and, he dropped his mic. He has nothing he, to say. About yeah, it. yeah, that's a, he's speechless. Like he's really upset about Andy, no, Andy Isabella. I'll let you know how I feel about it. No, yeah, Isabella. no. I want you guys. I want to. I want to hear what you guys have to say. But just real quick to chip in my two senses. This is a kid I was high on coming out of when we drafted him. I was. I bought. I bought the the goods, if you want to say. I, I drank the Kool Aid, if you if you will. And it just. I don't know if it was him not being utilized, or I didn't really hear these reports out of practice, but. When he at the time he was drafted, he was highly lauded and talked up to be this great asset. And I've mentioned it before, and I don't know how much stock he put into it, but Madden was also really high on him and his development trait. And and these YouTubers were were always getting Andy Isabella. Now I know that's just a video game, that's just virtual numbers and shit. But and to not get derailed, but I'm a little sad that maybe I feel like maybe Andy Isabella didn't get utilized or didn't get a fair shake or a fair chance. And he could be one of these stories we always see in the valley of a guy that gets not used and kicked to the kicked to the corner and then picked up by another team and finds success. I could see him getting picked up by the Patriots or a, a team like that. I've said that before. Vikings. The Vikings. I'm sure there's a lot of teams that could use a speedy little receiver like Andy Isabella. But uh, Mike, you brought that up, and Cody. Uh, you seem to have some strong feelings and opinions on the Andy Isabella release, so I'll I'll, pa- I'll pass the mic over to you now. <sighs> All right, I have four names for you right now. Are you ready? First one, DK Metcalf. Second, Deontay Johnson. Third, Terry McLaurin. Fourth, Hunter Renfro. We're talking about people that got picked after Andy Isabella in that same draft in 2019. 
unbelievable. It's just so Steve Kime, he can't hit on a single draft pick. Doesn't even matter. Oh, Steve Kime, he can trade no matter. It's a, it's a Kime time signing, right? He can sign a free agent. He can trade for whatever, but he can't draft for shit. And that's one right there. And them releasing Andy Isabella was basically them saying, hey, we missed on this one. We totally missed. We suck, right? So, I mean, the only reason they gave him a chance was because he was a second-round pick. And we're sitting there, we're talking about a draft where the Cardinals took three wide receivers in that draft. And we're talking about Andy Isabella, Hakeem Butler, what was the other guy? Oh, Keyshawn Johnson. Yeah. So we're talking about three receivers that aren't even even close to even being on the team anymore. Isabella, yeah. The only reason Isabella was on the team. What happened to Keyshawn Johnson? They cut him. He, he got he cut a long time ago. Well, he was like a six a he was a six round pick, I yeah. think. I but the only reason Isabella's on the team was because you have Hopkins out, and they were running into the start of the season with uh, Rondell Moore hurt. That's the only reason he made the 53-man roster to start the season. If if they were both healthy and, and uh, excuse me, if, if Moore was healthy and Hopkins didn't get suspended, he would have got he wouldn't have made the roster. He wouldn't have cut a long time ago. So this was a long time coming. He doesn't belong on this team. He was the biggest waste of a draft pick that I think I've, we've seen in the last five years. We can talk about all the terrible draft picks that the Cardinals have had, but that right there is horrible. And I know it's a woulda, coulda, shoulda. We can go back and look at all these drafts and say, oh, yeah, the year that we drafted Levi Brown, we could have had Adrian Peterson. Was that what it was? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of so that. that you, there's a, you can go back and you can sit there, but you can't dwell on the past. I know that. But at the same time, it's unbelievable that you sit there and you're so high on this kid who was like 5'10". Yeah, he ran a 4'3". He had great you know, numbers in college. Good hands. Yeah, he had great numbers in college. And the whole thing with, D- with DK was DK did not have good numbers in college. So he was rated higher. A lot higher. of drops, yeah. Yeah, so if, if the Cardinals didn't pick him in the second round, somebody else would have picked him. And then have you guys, did you guys hear the whole, um, the whole thing going back to where uh, they asked Cliff Kingsbury, they go, who do you want to pick? Who do you want to pick? And Kingsbury's like, I want Andy Isabella. And they fucking picked Andy Isabella. So you got to sit there and think about how does that process even go? You know, do they really listen to what Kingsbury says? You know, yeah, is he have some? He, does he have some influence in that? Because why the fuck did they pick that guy? Unbelievable. They're lucky that that same draft was the Kyler Murray draft, and they got Byron Murphy in the, the beginning of the second round. Yeah, because they got that Isabella pick from. Uh, they traded for something. What was it? They got that second round pick back from something because they had two picks in the second. Anyway, who cares about that? Unbelievable. Did you, did you see his attitude when they um they interviewed him to start the season? And he's like, he was like, I, I should get more tries. I should get more whatever. I am ready to go to prove something. He had the worst attitude ever. He did not want to be here. He literally asked for a trade, and the Cardinals was like, "Yeah, sure, we'll get we'll get you a trade." Let's, let's. Nobody wanted to trade for him. Nobody wanted him. He's unproven. Last year he had yeah. one fucking catch. Okay, he is the biggest pile of dog shit I've ever seen in my entire life. And if he's listening to this right now, dude, I swear <laughs> to God, I will punt punt your fucking five foot nine ass into the fucking bushes, dude. Get out of here. You don't belong in any NFL roster. I don't care what you're doing. Even when he were playing. Remember that when he was on the fucking sideline and he didn't even come forward to catch that fucking ball at the end of that game? Granted, it was garbage time, but like, step up. Step up. He is not playing football. I don't know what he's doing. 
He doesn't belong on an NFL roster. He's fucking lucky that he's fucking fast. If he wasn't fast, I don't I don't get it. He has no football talent. He can't run a goddamn route. He is not a team player. He's the worst ever. And that's the biggest mistake Steve Kime ever made. And I sat there, I told you guys before, there was four names that we could have done. Wow. Imagine if he if we drafted any of those other four names. Imagine what our fucking wide receiver room would look like right now if we had if we had DK Metcalf, Deontay Johnson, Terry McLaurin, even Hunter Renfro. Yeah. When he was coming out, Isabella was coming out, they compared him to Julian Edelman, but faster. Really? Julian Edelman, but faster? Never saw that once in my life. The worst. The worst. You know what they say about Andy Isabella? You know what they say about him? What do they say? The worst. That's it. Yes. I love the, the passion. passion. I love it. Tallman. I agree with you on so much of what you just said. Um, ooh. I think this is going to end up being Steve Kimes' swan song in regards to the worst decision that he ever made in regards to a draft class. And is it might outshine any of the great signings that he made in the past, you know, in 2015 with Dwight Freeney. Those kind of time signs. Bringing in uh, Jonathan Abram. You know, you're talking about an undersized guy who went to UMass. You know, is that even a D1 school? Is that like D1 AA or whatever they call it? Right. And in four years, he caught 33 balls. Every single year, his games played went down. He started at 15, then to 13, then to 8, and then to 3. And I don't even know if any of that was really because of injury. I just think that. He was never up to snuff to be on the field. Mm -hmm. And the last, la the last lasting memory that I will have of Andy Isabella was, I believe, in that Rams game when he had that go route and he just stopped running and Kyler Murray had thrown it to the pylon. And if he had just kept running, he might have had a chance to make a play at the ball. But absolutely disappointing. You know, we went into this year talking about the situation with D-Hop and the opportunity that Andy Isabella was going to have to cement himself as a true player in this league. And what did he do? He fell on his face, could never get involved, and could not be trusted. And it's always a crapshoot in the league uh, for the drafts. I, I understand that. But, you know, we're talking about the same time. Yeah, you, you, you'd love to have a speed receiver like that, but how do you not just test the market on a DK Metcalf with his freakish abilities and hope to mold him into the player that Seattle has now you know he's a he's, he's a, a top superstar. 10 receiver he's a bona fide superstar even with Geno Smith and you know we'd be having different discussions <laughs> right now about even the other throwing... names even Hunter Renfro exactly well and that's the other thing Hunter Renfro was a proven commodity in NCAA football with Clemson, and yeah. you know he Even caught he, that game-winning ball against uh, was it Alabama when they won with Deshaun Watson. Yeah, so, even though Renfro coughed up that uh, fumble for yeah, us to win the game. Yeah, pre appreciate you. <laughs> yeah. Appreciate you. Hunter. Yeah, thanks, but, thanks, Hunter. Uh, th this is this is going to go down as the most disappointing decision that Steve Kime has ever made. I, I don't have any doubts about that. 
to waste a second round pick on a guy that ended up with 33 catches over four years is just utterly absurd. And this can go back to some of the conversations that we had about, well, how long do you give guys that are high round draft picks? Right. Like when we talked about Isaiah Simmons and Zayvon Collins, how long do you give them to make the best out of their opportunities and prove that those you know picks in the above the hundreds they were worth it and to not get anything back for him i think that's just absolutely a joke we couldn't get yeah. a sixth round pick for the him teams called our bluff and now i i don't know when he's going to clear waivers or or like i said someone's going to pick him up he's he's a guy who maybe he'll get looked at i don't know at what capacity i i just don't get it he did have a good four a uh, good 40 time he showed potential, but yeah, never did anything with the Cardinals. I think he did was spent a lot of time on special teams, never really sniffed the field. But enough about Andy Isabella. I think it's a great opportunity for us to transition to a more broad focus on the whole league and a, a segment we've been doing on TikTok over at AZ underscore VSP on TikTok where you can find Valley Sports Plug content, and that is Tallman Ticket where every week VSP Tallman gives us his picks and who he thinks is going to win. What's what's your overall record for picks on the season, Tallman? Oh, shit. Um, well, coming into last week, it was uh, 3 for 15. But we did good last week. We did uh, we got 4 out of 6, and we were close on those ones that we missed. So it was, it was competitive. So um, do the math. What is it? 7 for God knows what. 7 for dog shit. So... Yeah. Seven for 21? 21, yeah. So. Yep. So not so you know. Thomas' ticket has not been hitting. He has, he doesn't have a winning ticket yet, but <laughs> it's never too late to turn that around. It's real early in the season. So we're going to do this live. If you're watching on TikTok, we are doing this while we're recording the podcast, and you can find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. So, Tallman, what is the Tallman ticket well, for week five? You got it. So because we were talking about depressing any Isabella shit, I'm going to give you guys some more depressing stuff. Are you ready? Okay. Um, and we're back. It is the Tallman Ticket. It is the greatest show on the planet. We are here live from Studio B. Valley Sports Plug, let's go. You guys ready again to lose some more goddamn money? I sure as hell am. It's going to be a lot of fun. Just kidding. I lost enough money today on college football. Thanks a lot, guys. Uh, we're going to do a six-leg parlay. You guys ready for this? This going to be a lot of got? fun. A ton of fun. I know I'm getting a little risky, a little frisky with those six-leggers. should probably only do five, maybe four. Probably three is more my speed because I'm such a goddamn rookie, but who cares? Let's do it. Um, I'm a professional money loser. Here we go. Six-leg parlay. We're going to take the Green Bay Packers, the money line. We're going to take the Detroit Lions, the spread, plus three and a half. We're going to go the Tennessee Titans, spread, minus two and a half. Spread it. We're going <laughs> to spread those cheeks, baby. Uh, we're going to take the Seattle Seahawks, spread, plus five and a half. We're going to go the Buffalo Bills, money line. And then last but not least, we're going to take the Philadelphia Eagles, minus five and a half, spread, over the Arizona Cardinals at home. Boo. We're going to get bootied down, baby. Okay. All right. So we're going to lose that game. Hopefully, we don't lose that bet. Hopefully, we can win some money for once because right now, we are all professional money losers. So shout out Valley Sports Plug. Shout out to Tom and Ticket. Follow along. Let's have some fun. This is going to be a great time, everybody. So I love you guys. Take care. Get risky and frisky. 
There you have it, folks. Get risky and frisky. That is the Tallman ow, ticket. Ow, ow. Yes, sir. Every week you can find that on TikTok at AZ underscore VSP. And I know it's going to hit one of these days. I, I, I feel good about this ticket. I feel good. These are high stakes. He gives you the best odds. So if you, no matter if you put a dollar on it or if you put $100 on it, you're going to win big money. He doesn't go for these little uh, weak bets. He doesn't go for the cheap bets. He goes for the fences. Cody Tallman swings for the fences. And we've seen that. So, Well, if you're smart, you would go opposite everything that I pick. We'll see. But just kidding. We appreciate you. If you're listening and you've made it this far, you're about an hour and 20 minutes into the Heat Check podcast. And we love you guys so much and couldn't do this without you. So keep hitting that like button. Keep watching our content. Tune in into our live streams. And we'll keep putting that out for you. We have so much fun doing it. So winding down this 10th episode... I just wanted to talk about the Arizona Diamondbacks and how they finished their season. 74 and 88, which on paper doesn't look good. But when you weigh it against their 2021 season, that's a 22 game win improvement and a home record of 40 and 41, which is nearly 500. I think that's something to be optimistic about and looking forward to the future. We have a lot of young talent. We've even drafted more talent in Andrew Jones Jr., an unfortunate injury in batting practice, but we're going to get him back, and he's going to join this young core of Corbin Carroll, led by our pitching roster of Zach Gallen and these other other young arms. I hope that they can make some moves in this offseason and really bolster this roster in this pitching rotation. Mark Melancon, Melanson, Jesus, Melanson. I keep saying Melancon because he's... A con. I've, like I've said, he's a con. He's a con. He conned us into giving him a contract that he was not worthy of. And ugh, it's just, it's frustrating, but we got to move on from that type of shit. And they got to bolster this bullpen. And looking forward to next season, I think there is a reason for optimism. They even won their very last game of the season against Milwaukee 4-2. to two. Uh, and, and that's so good signs all around. Michael Benjamin, I'll pass this over to you. What are you uh, looking forward to in the Diamondbacks' future? Step in the right direction. Really excited how they finished. Obviously, we put the Golden Carrot Award to finish 500. Uh, fell short a little bit, but finished the season strong. You know, seems like we have two bona fide aces, you could say, in Merrill Kelly and Zach Allen. Uh, Merrill Kelly had 13 wins on the season. Zach Allen with a 12 and 4 record, 2.54 ERA, 192 strikeouts. Just really a great year out of him. You know, our outfield, we have some really exciting young prospects, uh, especially with the call-up of Corbin Carroll. Um, Alec Thomas, I think he got demoted towards the end of the season, but he went to Reno and really finished strong. It wasn't a performance thing. It was just a, just a, yeah. a roster thing. Right. And then you, you also have guys like Dalton Varsho, uh, Stone Garrett, uh, Jake McCarthy. So I think we're in a really good spot where we're going to be able to leverage some of those pieces because obviously you only have three outfield positions. You might be able to send some of those guys to get better pieces, bolster your infield, and really, really work on that bullpen. You know, I feel like we set a record this year with almost like 40 blown, blown save opportunities did, yeah. or something wow. like that. Yeah. Or so, it was a, the bullpen had the most L's. Yeah, we've highlighted that yeah. on a previous podcast. I yeah, think. not yeah, specifically they lost the most saves, but, in major league. Yeah. but, you know, wins going into the last third of the game and we ended up blowing the game. So we could have been talking about a completely different season, but we have a lot of young, exciting pieces. Um, so two guys at the top of the rotation that, 
should only get better. And then, you know, it's all about shoring up that bullpen and figuring out what the hell you're going to do with Madison Bumgarner because, my goodness, does he stink. 7-15 and 15 oh, on the year. I hope they can get rid of Mad Bum. I don't think they will be able to. Tallman, tell us what about Mad Bum. How, what are your feelings on him? Are you looking for him to be shipped out or just hoping he shapes up? No, we're stuck with him. He's going nowhere. So all you got to do is try to like make him be a little bit of a compliment on what's going on. By no means is it going to be the ace. When you have Merrill no. Kelly and uh, Zach Allen, it's he's going to be the third or fourth guy in the rotation. But unfortunately, we're going to be stuck with him. So we just have to sit here and pray and hope that he can be one of those guys when you turn that corner on your career – it's either you make it or break it. So we got to hope that he figures it out because he's not going anywhere. So we're going to have him on the roster for next year, maybe the year after. So no one's going to buy him out. But we might get to the point next year where it's like, okay, well, we have all this young talent, and they literally might sit there and say, you know, let's just cut him and let's eat the rest of the contract. Right. So this year it was like too much where there's like we can't, can't cut him because we – owe them too much money mm -hmm. so next year they might get to it if we're a little bit competitive if some of those young cats that mike is talking about which i love the young talent man and the future of this team is so bright it's unbelievable and they might get to that point where it's we're just gonna eat it we're gonna eat the contract just just leave just walk you know they might tell them just to walk and they'll eat it yeah and that might be the best thing that could happen rather than having him pitch every fifth day. Mm -hmm. So it sucks. I It sounded so good when it happened. Remember, we we're so excited when they signed him. I thought he was going to be good. I was, we I was all optimistic. Thought, I, always, I was always very high. Yeah. I'm always optimistic. Yeah, I was team. extremely optimistic. I thought he was going to be good, um, but it didn't really turn out that way. And I mean, every time I think about that team, it's all about the bullpen, man. Yeah. What are they going to do, you know? What are they going to do to shore up that bullpen? Because they thought, oh, we'll bring in... Uh, We're signing cons. Is yeah, what yeah we'll, we'll bring in the con artist to, you know, be our guy, our closer. And that didn't work out. No. You know, and then we have our... Uh, didn't they get old-ass Daniel all Hudson, too? No, Ian Kennedy. Oh, Ian Kennedy. Yeah, I'm so sorry. it sounded yeah. like a good idea when you got Ian Kennedy and you got uh, Mark uh, Milan-Con, the con artist. Milan-Con, Milan yeah. yeah. Um, so that sounded great going into the season, but it turned out to be really bad. And then our, uh, is it John Dupontier? Um, we had our only, our lone all-star. What was it? In the last couple games, he gave up. No, it wasn't Duplantier. It was, um, uh, who was the all-star? Shoot. Oh, my bad. I was totally wrong. Um, Mantiply? Mantiply. Mark Mantiply, Mantiply yeah. <laughs> yeah, Duplantier was a, wow. a, a okay. starting pitcher, I believe, right? Wow, okay. I apologize. I was close though. Um, no, but yeah, so but he wasn't that good either at the end of the season. So it's just a fact of what are you guys going to do to fix that? Because right now, like you said or earlier, Joe Mantiply. I'm sorry, not Mark Mantiply. Right? It's, yeah, it's Joe. It's Joe. I said John. I said you John, said John. I said, I said John Duplanty. God damn it! We're all over the place. We're Valley well, Sports <laughs> experts, guys. I, I promise you. It's, it's kind of close. Mark, give it to him. It's Mark. It's Mark the con artist, Melanson. Yeah, Mark Melanson. Yes. <laughs> yeah, these names are all jumbled. His, yeah, Joe Mantiply. Yeah, Mantiply. Yeah, yeah. No, but I got you, Tallman. I, I and I see. I see what you're saying there. The bullpen definitely needs to be shored up. Um, Michael Benjamin, what about you, dog? 
I really only have one more thing to say about the Diamondbacks. And it's a huge shout out to Zach Gallen. I mean, he had an incredible year. 12 and 4. Uh, he set 9. the record. 4 strikeouts per 9, 0.91 whip, and uh, ERA 2.54. If he can come out next year as the bona fide ace, you know, we're going to be in a good position. You know, now it's time to get some rest, go into the off season, start looking at this roster, making your adjustments, and come back for spring training in uh, March next year, stronger and ready to compete for at least a wild card position next year. I'm super excited for everything that we're doing right now, guys, because we're in one of the best places to uh, talk about sports because spring training is in our backyard. So next year, we're going to be going out to games. We'll be at Tempe Diablo. We'll oh, be at wait. Salt River Stadium. Go check out uh, Sloan Park with the Cubs. Do some different kind of coverage for baseball. So you better buy tickets two weeks in advance. Keep, keep, keep sticking along with us. We love this shit too much that we're not going to keep... Um, we're going to be pushing out some really cool content coming up in the future. And, you know, last thing, I, like I said, shout out Zach Gallon, man. He's the guy. He set the record for the D-backs, 44.1 innings, scoreless. That's huge. Yeah. Incredible. No, it's it's crazy to think that all three of our major Valley sports teams, no offense to the Coyotes, but these other, the baseball, basketball. We're going to some Yotes games, too. So. No, and we're going to go to some Yotes <laughs> yeah, games we are. and be looking out for that content. On uh, on our YouTube channel, we're going to be putting out all those videos. Michael Benjamin has been making some incredible videos. We do Cardinals recaps every Monday morning. You can catch those. Or Tuesday if it's a Monday game. Or probably Friday if it's a Thursday game. You know how it goes. And so be looking out for that. And and we, we are on Twitter at AZ underscore VSP. As you know, you know this. But man, you guys, I'm so excited for, for for the future. Is what all I'm trying to say is the Suns are definitely going to be in the playoffs. That's where people are writing them in. The Cardinals are right in the thick of it for being a playoff contender, and the Diamondbacks have this young core where in two, a year or two or three they could really be making moves within their division. Especially not alone. Not to say they won't make the playoffs, but. I uh, appreciate you guys coming out here. We're in Studio B of Valley Sports Plug. This was the Heat Check Podcast, Episode 10. We'll be back at you next month. We'll see how the Suns do to start their season with these first 10 games. We'll see how the Cardinals are doing through their first 9 or 10 games and check up with you next time. So leave a comment, leave a like, and tell your friends about it. And uh, we will see you next time. Peace. Double digits, baby. Frisky and frisky, baby.